بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Honorable Ulamai Kiram, respected elders and brothers in Islam, to sum up this great personality, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, I produce the words of the great historian and scholar, Sayyid Abu al-Hasan Ali al-Nadwi rahmatullahi alayhi, also known as Mawlana Ali Mia rahmatullahi alayhi, that he sums up this great giant, this great son of Islam, with the words, کہ حضور صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کا ایک مستقل معجزات ہے اور اسلام کی صداقت اور ابدیت کی دلیل تھے صلاح الدین علیوبی رحمت اللہ علیہ was one of the معجزات of رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم he was one of the proofs of the truthfulness of Islam and the truthfulness of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If on one hand, he is loved and respected and honored by the Muslims for his great achievements and service to Islam, then surprisingly he is also respected by the non-Muslims as one of the greatest military leaders of time. If he is remembered for his bravery and his strength and courage on the battlefield, then he is also remembered for his kindness and compassion. That historians have testified that Salahuddin Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi possessed such kindness and love that his opponents began to love and respect him. Those whom he defeated and took under his command and rule they began, they began to love and respect him. If on one hand, he was a ruler par excellence with justice, then on the other hand, he was a person full of humility, crying before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the night. If he was a statesman on one hand, on the other, he was a great alim. He loved the recitation of Qur'an. He loved to hear the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this was the great personality of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. Before we go on to describe some of the conditions in the time of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, very quickly, one of the reasons for choosing this topic, speaking about Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, is apart from taking inspiration from his life, is also to bring a glimmer of hope at a time of despondency, at a time of desperation, at a time when the ummah is facing so many challenges, we are facing so many challenges, locally, globally, in our own personal lives, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi brings a glimmer of hope. That just as in his time, despite all the challenges and the odds, and the difficult conditions, he brought about such a change. Likewise, in these times as well, we should not become despondent. We should endeavor to bring about some change, whether it is in our own lives, 
in our families, in our communities, in our area, in our country, whatever little we can do. In fact, Mawlana Ali Mia rahmatullahi alayhi has written an entire book for the same reason, titled Tariq Da'wat wa Azimat, has been translated in English, Saviors of the Islamic Spirit, translated into Arabic, Rijalul Fikri wa Da'wa, in many other languages, for, simply for the same reason. That this book is full of, is, is full of those great giants and sons of Islam, who at the time of complete despondency, when the ummah had lost hope, they came in and they brought about such a change and they brought about peace and happiness to the hearts of the Muslimin. So before we go into Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, very briefly for us to appreciate the challenges that he faced and the sacrifices and achievements that he made. We'll have to go a little bit into history before Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. So in the 4th century of Islam, somewhere around 350 Hijri or so, the Fatimids, the Shias, had taken control over Egypt. So the Egypt used to be under the control of the Abbasi Khalifa in Baghdad. They managed to gain control over Egypt. And they subjected the Muslims of Egypt to untold miseries and hardships. This is something that history has borne testimony to. That the amount of damage on many occasions was, that was caused to Islam by the Shia. So in this, in this instance as well, the Fatimids, the Shias had overtaken Egypt and they had, they had caused untold hardships and miseries to the people of Egypt, to the Muslims. Great atrocities were committed, ulama were murdered, people were killed, the madaris were closed down, their books were destroyed. Uh, Shia madrasas were initiated to teach people Shiaism. The adhan was changed. The khutbah was changed. They banned using the moon to work out the Islamic months. They changed the laws of inheritance. And so many things. To such an extent they went, that even certain foods were declared as forbidden in Egypt. Anyone who ate those foods were imprisoned. For the simple reason that that food perhaps was liked by Sayyida Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Sayyidina Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And to such an extent the atrocities went, that the ruler of Egypt, the Shi'i ruler, had sent ten knights of his, ten soldiers of his, to go and smash and break the hajr aswad in Makkah Mukarramah, at the Kaaba. And they went, and he attempted to do that. But he was killed. So this happened in the fourth century of Islam, when Egypt was lost to the Shi'as, and they began committing untold atrocities against the Muslimin in that area. Moving a little forward into the 5th century, the second challenge that had come about, and this is a lesson for each one of us, was the disunity and dissension that had crept into the Muslim lands. So although the Khalifa was in Baghdad, the Abbasi Khalifa, but there were various lords and kings that ruled over various areas, various cities, provinces, countries at times. And these had, in the past, they, were, they had taken allegiance to the Abbasi Khalifa. So they would listen, they would obey his command. But as we moved on in the 5th century of Islam, these lords and rulers began to fight amongst themselves. And to such an extent 
that on many occasions they would take help from the non-Muslims to fight against another Muslim ruler. So every area had their own ruler and they were busy in civil war, busy fighting against each another. And the Abbasi Khalifa had become nothing but just a figurehead. So this brought, this brought about the disunity and infighting amongst the Muslims. This is what gave the Christians, the Crusaders the idea. Towards the end of the 5th century, approximately 490 Hijri, seeing the disunity and division amongst the Muslims, they are busy fighting. On one hand, the Shias have taken control of Egypt, the Abbasi Khalifa doesn't have any power. This is when the Crusaders launched their first crusade. The Crusaders were Christians, Catholic Christians, from France and Italy, basically from West Europe. They had launched a crusade which was a holy war. The objectives were two, to stop the advance of the Muslimin and to take over the holy land, to take back Baytul Muqaddas and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. This was their target. So with this intention, they began marching and they came in. And within two or three years, the first crusade had ended. And they had gained control of Baytul Muqaddas Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in the year 492 Hijri. Taking advantage of the disunity, in fact historians have written that so bad was the disunity amongst the Muslim rulers that whilst Jerusalem was being destroyed and thousands of innocent Muslims were being massacred, the Muslim rulers were busy fighting amongst themselves to gain control of different cities and they completely ignored the threat of the crusaders and what was happening. So the crusaders had taken over the greater Syria, Baytul Muqaddas, and now the situation became such that these small Muslim rulers would many times take the help of the crusaders to fight against the other Muslim rulers. Likewise, the Shias in Egypt, they had allied with the crusaders, all meant to destroy Islam and the Muslimin. It was in these challenging times that Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi was born. He was born in the year 532 Hijri, 40 years after Al-Masjid al-Aqsa was taken and Jerusalem was taken, Baytul Muqaddas was taken by the Crusaders. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi was born in the year 532 Hijri. He is originally, he is a Kurd of Kurdish origin and his tribe originates from Azerbaijan. But he was born in the Iraqi town of Tikrit. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, his name was Yusuf, and his father's name was Ayyub. His father was known as Najmuddin Ayyub bin Shadi. His father was Najmuddin Ayyub. This is why the family is called al-Ayyubi. Not because their lineage goes up to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu, no, because of his father Ayyub. So Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, his name was Yusuf, his father's name was Ayyub, and his grandfather's name was Shadi. He was born in the Iraqi city of Tikrit, and shortly either, just at the time of his birth or shortly thereafter, his father had moved on to Ba'alabak, and he was appointed as the governor and the ruler of Ba'alabak by one great ruler of the time by the name of Imaduddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi. Imaduddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi was that person, was that ruler who began 
the effort against the crusaders. Nobody had taken up this initiative, but Imaduddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi, he was the governor of Mosul. He was in charge of Mosul in Iraq. And he was hurt by what was going on. And he decided to make this his mission to take back the lands of the Muslimin, the lands of Baytul Muqaddas, and to drive out the crusaders from the Muslim lands. So he began making this effort, and gradually he began his fight against the crusaders until in the year 537, when Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi was just five years old. In the year 537, he achieved his first great success against the crusaders. He took over the city of Ufra, which is in the south, southern Turkey today, which was regarded as one of the very important bases of the crusaders. He managed to take control, he defeated the crusaders, and he took control of that, of that, of that area. And he appointed, as I mentioned, he appointed the father of Salahuddin, Najmuddin, as the ruler of Ba'alabak, which was also one of the areas he had taken control of. And Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi spent his beginning days in Ba'alabak with his father. It wasn't long thereafter that this great ruler, Imaduddin Zangi rahmatullahi was assassinated. Just two years after taking control of Ufra, he was assassinated. And his son Nuruddin, his son Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi took the place of his father. Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi was the Amir of Aleppo, of Halab. And now he took the place of his father. And he made this his mission, his father's mission, he made it his mission to drive out the crusaders and to take Baytul Muqaddas back into the hands of the Muslimin. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah alayhi's father moved on to Damascus in the time of Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi. He had a very good relationship with Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi. And not only his father, his father and his uncle. His uncle was Asaduddin. Asaduddin al-Ayyubi was the uncle of Salahuddin. So uncle and father and Salahuddin, they moved over to Damascus. And Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi began making the tarbiyat of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi and his father and his uncle as well. Nuruddin rahmatullahi alayhi had great uh, confidence in Salahuddin that when he, was, when he was just a teenager, when he was very young, he appointed him the head of the police in Damascus. And historians write that there are many poetries that are found in the books of history where the poets speak about how he controlled the city of Damascus, that he completely eradicated all crime from Damascus. Damascus had become a crime-free crime area. And Nuruddin Zaki rahmatullahi alayhi continued fighting against the crusaders. Time doesn't permit to go into the details. But in short, in his lifetime, as he moved on, he managed to take over most of the cities of the crusaders under his control. Approximately 50 major towns he had taken under his control. And he was now aiming and targeting to take control of Baytul Muqaddas. But it so happened that around that time, this was now around 560 Hijri, 560 odd Hijri, Egypt had turned into a mess. Egypt that was ruled by the Shias for more than 200 years, Egypt had turned into a mess, turned into turmoil. The Shi'i ruler had lost all power and influence, and his ministers were busy fighting amongst themselves to take control over Egypt. There were war, war after war would take place, and innocent people were being killed, and on many occasions the crusaders would be called in, and they would help these ministers to fight against the other armies, against the other ministers, because it only assisted them in their greater plan. 
So it was around this time when one of the ministers sent a message to Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi asking for his assistance to fight against some other minister. Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi was not interested in joining the fight of Shia against Shia. But when he learned that the crusaders have come on the part of, this, of that one minister, then Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi thought about it. And he realized the importance of, of taking over Egypt and joining this fight for several reasons. The first reason was that if he did not get involved, then there was a fear that the crusaders would take over Egypt. And now another Muslim land would be controlled by the crusaders. And south of Baytul Muqaddas will also be under their control. The second thing he realized is that if he got involved, then he would be, it would be easy for him to stamp out Shiaism from Egypt and bring a rule to, bring an end to the rule of the Shias in Egypt. So with this in mind, Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi accepts and he sends his army to Egypt. The head of the army was the uncle of Salahuddin Asaduddin. And one of the main generals of the army was Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. Salahuddin himself says that he had no interest and no desire to join this army. But he was forced by Nuruddin. Nuruddin forced and impressed upon him that he has to join this army. And he would say, Asa an takrahu shay'an wa huwa khayrun lakum. That many a times you don't want something, but Allah will some good to come out from this. So anyway, he joined that army. The first time that they went, the, the attempt was unsuccessful. They returned back to Damascus. The second time, the Shia king himself, Adid, Al-Adid was his name. He sent for help to Nuruddin. The army was sent for the second time. Again, there was no success. The third time he asked for help and now the army went. And on this occasion, the army of, of Nuruddin, Zangi rahmatullahi led by Asaduddin, they were victorious. They managed to defeat the other army and the Shia Khalifa, the Shia ruler, he was now once again instated in power and he appointed Asaduddin, the uncle of Salahuddin as his prime minister. So he was just a ruler as a figurehead. But the country was effectively under the rule of Asaduddin, the uncle of Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi alayhi. And Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi had now achieved this dream of his of taking control of Egypt, although indirectly. Asaduddin lived only for two months in that position and he passed away. Upon his death, the Shia ruler Adid decided to appoint Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi as a prime minister. The reason that is mentioned in the books is that Salahuddin al-Ayyubi was only 32 years old at that time. It was the year 564 Hijri. So the Khalifa felt that if a young person is appointed as prime minister, it will be very easy to manipulate and to control him. So he appointed Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi as a prime minister Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, the moment he came into power, his, his khadim and his student, who was a great alim, Qadi Bahauddin rahmatullahi alayhi, says that the day that Salahuddin was appointed as the prime minister of Egypt, that day marked the change in his life. He was always a pious person. But he said from that day, the entire mindset of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi changed. And he would say that on that day, I had this hope and had this conviction 
that that same Allah who gave me Egypt, that same Allah will give me Baytul Muqaddas. Now his entire day and night was only Baytul Muqaddas. It is said he would spend his nights crying. He would be so bechen, so uneasy, that many a times he would be pacing up and down, crying and saying, Ya al-Islam, Ya al-Islam, who is there for Islam? Who is there for Islam? Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi when he came into power, he realized that the first objective is to bring an end to Shiaism in Egypt. But since Shiaism had been, Shias had been in power for more than 200 years. And there were so many oppositions to Salahuddin because he was a Sunni. And there were so many Shi'i ministers. So he had to be very careful how he went about doing this. So what he did was, he first warned over the population of Egypt. He spent, he spent lots of money on alleviating their problems. There was a lot of poverty in Egypt. He removed all their poverty. He spent untold amount sums of money. He brought about good conditions for the people until people began to love him and respect him. This won the hearts of the people. And as he began, began winning the confidence of people, he treated them with justice, with, kind, with kindness, with great amounts of love and compassion. It is said that he would just spend money. He, never in his life did zakat become furthers upon Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. The day he passed away, he owned one gold coin and 40 dirhams, nothing else. Everything he would spend on the people. So as he won the confidence of people, then he gradually began making changes and he began, he began closing down the Shia schools and madrasas. He began opening Islamic schools and madrasas. He changed the adhan. After two years in power, he changed the adhan. He brought back the original adhan. He dismissed all the Shia judges. He brought in Shafi'i, Sunni judges. Slowly, gradually, he be- began bringing changes in Egypt. So gradual was the change that people open-heartedly accepted the change. The only people that opposed were the Shia ministers who had lost to Salahuddin. Alayubi rahmatullahi alayhi. And obviously they weren't going to take this easily. Two or three times they called the crusader armies and two or three occasions the crusader armies came from Jerusalem, came from Baytul Muqaddas and attempted to take over Egypt from Salahuddin alayubi rahmatullahi alayhi. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had protected him and then he managed to gain complete power until eventually in the year 567 Hijri, the Shi'i ruler of Egypt died, and that was the end of the Shia rule in Egypt, and Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi now became the ruler of Egypt, and that was the end of the Shia rule. Now, Egypt was entirely under the rule of Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi And now Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi pursued his dream of now moving towards Baytul Muqaddas, because Egypt was under his control, Yemen was under his control, most parts of greater Syria were under his control, Iraq was under his control, Nuruddin rahmatullahi alayhi now began making preparations to move in the direction of Baytul Muqaddas. He built a huge beautiful mimbar, which he kept in the Jami Masjid of Halab of Aleppo, with this intention that the day I will conquer Baytul Muqaddas, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, then I will you put, bring this member and I will place this member in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. But Allah had willed something else. Two years after the conquest, until, two years after Egypt came into the hands of Salahuddin, Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi passed away. 
in the year 569 Hijri, before he could embark on his ambition and dream of taking over Baytul Muqaddas. Interesting to know that in that two years, from 567 to 569, when Salahuddin al-Ayyubi was in control of Egypt, so one was they called the crusader armies to fight against him, but that didn't work. The next strategy that they used was to create this dishonesty and mistrust between Nuruddin, who is the ustad, who is the tutor, who is the ruler, and Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi They began passing rumors and different, different ways and means, they, different messages they sent to Nuruddin via various ways to create mistrust and suspicion and doubt in his heart against Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi In fact, on one occasion he was so convinced that he was even contemplating taking an army to go and fight against Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi Because the way they, they made him understand that Salahuddin wants to overthrow your authority. Now, he's taken control of Egypt, and now he wants to take control of all the other lands. But Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi was very wise. He understood this. And always, he always made sure that he removed and cleared all doubts and suspicions to such an extent that on the khutbah, the Friday khutbah, he himself and all the khatibs in Egypt, he had given them the command that the khutbah will be given in the name of the Khalifa Nuruddin rahmatullahi alayhi. In other words, in the, in the khutbah you make dua for the Khalifa. So he would make dua for Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi alayhi, addressing him as the ruler. And even to such an extent he went, that even the coins that he minted in Egypt, all bore the name of Nuruddin rahmatullahi alayhi. Now this is also a very important lesson. And this is one of the weapons that the enemies have used and will always use against Islam. From the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam till this day to create disunity, mistrust between people. To create divisions, suspicions and doubt. That's why the Quran Sharif teaches us that whenever there is a situation like this, فَتَبَيَّنُوا That go and find out, go and verify don't act upon that suspicion and doubt because ultimately this is going to bring about disunity. And once we are disunited, وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا فَتَفْشَلُوا Then we will lose our strength and we will lose our power. Just to digress, one, one advice that is given by our Ustad, Hazrat Mufti Ibrahim Salihi Sahib, to maintain unity, especially when we are working with people. He says two things, two ingredients are of utmost importance. The first ingredient is tawadu and, and humility. That in any organization, in any group, in any movement, in anything, if we want to maintain harmony, then everyone has to humble themselves. We cannot have this attitude that I am greater than the next. This is going to bring an end to the unity. There has to be respect for each another. And the second thing that is required is tolerance. We have to tolerate each another. There will be some misunderstandings here and there. On the smallest error or the smallest mistake, we cannot break away from the person because we are going to break away from the greater picture. So nonetheless, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi maintained that unity. 569 Hijri came. Nuruddin Zangi rahmatullahi left this world. His dream had not materialized. And thereafter began a very painful and sad moment again, once again, in the Islamic history. That the death of Nuruddin, he was gone. And all his years of effort all began to fall apart. Because no sooner did he pass away, 
Then the princes and the ministers of Nuruddin began vying with each another to gain and take control of different, different towns and areas. Damascus had his own ruler. They appointed the son of Nuruddin Ismail. He was only 11 years old. They appointed him as a ruler by name and others had taken control of Damascus. Aleppo, his own ruler. Every city had its own ruler and each one was trying to gain control of the next. Again, the entire Muslim world had fragmented. And what, what they had done was the old God, those who were close to Nuruddin, those who shared his dreams, his ambitions, and his thinking, his mindset, they were all imprisoned. And these people began to take control of the others who had their own ulterior motives. They began once again taking control. Again, the infighting began. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi seeing this, he began his effort to once again unite the people. He began by writing letters. He began by writing letters to various rulers. Many of them understood. They came back. But ultimately, ultimately he was unsuccessful in bringing them back all together. So five months after the demise of Nuruddin, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi marched from Egypt into the lands of Islam with the intention of bringing back the people united under one banner. He went from town to town, city to city with his army. Most areas surrendered and they accepted and understood without any fight. But there were those areas and cities where Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi actually had to wage war against those rulers to bring them under, to surrender those cities. It took Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi a full 12 years to once again bring all those territories united under one ruler, under one banner. And eventually he succeeded after 12 long years in gaining control of all those areas, the greater, most of the parts of Syria, Yemen, Iraq, Hijaz, and Egypt. This was now under the control of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. In this duration, whilst he was busy trying to gain control of all these various areas for the sake of Islam. It wasn't anything personal. As you said, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi was such a ruler that on many occasions he would conquer, he would take over a certain place. That same person who fought against him, Salahuddin will then appoint him again as the ruler. But as long as he accepted the command of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi. This was his level of, of administration and the broadness of his heart and mind. But nonetheless, during this time, around the year 575 Hijri, 575 Hijri, the king of, the crusader king of Jerusalem, Baldwin was his name. The crusader king of Jerusalem, seeing the growing influence, influence of Salahuddin, al-Ayubi rahmatullahi, and preempting what was coming next, he entered into a peace treaty with Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi which Salahuddin accepted because it bought him time to sort out these areas before he focused on Baytul Muqaddas. So Salahuddin agreed with this treaty. But in that duration between 575 and 581, because all these areas were unified under his rule in the year 581 Hijri. So between this time, in that six years, one of the lords, as we may say, one of the rulers of Jerusalem, of the kingdom of the crusaders, he was the lord of Kirak, Kirak, which is in Jordan, present-day Jordan, alongside the Dead Sea, where the people of Lut were destroyed. 
So the Lord, the ruler of Kerak, he was a person, many of us may even have heard his name, Reynold, or some say Reginald, Reynold of Chatillon. Now Reynold of Chatillon is notorious even amongst the non-Muslim historians to be a rogue and thief. He was imprisoned on many occasions as well. But nonetheless, he was the ruler of Kerak. And Kerak was very strategically situated because all those hujjaj, all the people coming for hajj from Syria, they had to pass alongside Kirak and then make their way to Hijaz in Medina Munawwara. Now this Rinal had a great deep hatred for Islam and the Muslims obviously. He was one of the crusader kings. So he violated this truce that was made with Baldwin and Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi that what he did was that he began attacking and plundering the Muslim hujjaj as they would be going to Fuhaj, he began attacking them, looting the caravans and killing them. On one occasion, when he had looted these caravans, then he brought all the hujjaj before him and taking out his sword, he said to them, that now tell me where is your Muhammad? Where is your Muhammad? How is he going to come and help you now? And then he beheaded and killed all those hujjaj. When the news reads, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, he took a qasam, he took an oath, that wallah, I will kill this person with my own hands. I will kill him with my own hands. And he sent a word to Baldwin, who was the king of Jerusalem, that you have violated the truce, the agreement between us, because one of your kings has done this. Baldwin called Reynald to apologize, and to retract and to apologize for what he had done. But Rinald was, because he had great power and influence, he ignored the call of Baldwin, and he did not do so. He became even more bolder, and he declared that he is going to attack Makkah Mukarramah and Medina Munawwara. And after destroying both the cities, Al-Iyadhu Billah, he will dig up and exhume the grave of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and bring his Mubarak body away. So with this intention, he marched from Kirak. But something happened because of which he had to turn back. Again, he turned back. Again, he looted and killed the Muslim Hujjaj. And he returned back to, his, to Kirak. And Salahuddin al-Ayyubi took a second vow. That when I come into power, I am going to kill this person. Because he vowed and he intended to go and destroy Makkah Mukarramah and Medina Munawwara. The second instance that he had violated this truce, was in the year 582 Hijri. By now, Salahuddin had already taken unified control over all the Muslim lands. So now Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi on this occasion did not ask the king of Jerusalem for any apology. He used this as a basis to go and attack the kingdom of the crusaders because they had violated the truce and the peace treaty and they came to attack Makkah Mukarramah. So he began making preparations. At that time, the king of Jerusalem was King Gai, a person by the name of Gai. He was the ruler of Jerusalem. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi began making preparations. He prepared his army. The news reached the crusaders. The crusaders sent a call out to all the small kingdoms in the kingdom of Jerusalem, all the different rulers. And they brought about, they gathered and they prepared a huge army as strong and as powerful as they could, this was termed the second crusade. Because this was the second time where the crusader armies, the crusaders from, north, from Western Europe, mostly from France and Italy, 
they came together now to fight against Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. They prepared their army and they, 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 they created their base at a place called Saphoria. Saphoria is not far from Baytul Muqaddas and it was a very strategic place, very well situated with abundant water and very easy for them to get their reinforcements, etc. So this huge army of the crusaders settled in Saphoria and Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah Ali began his march towards them. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah Ali was very wise and very intelligent on the battlefield. He was very, very brave. He said that on many occasions he would go himself into the, into the enemy lines. And he would put his sons in the front of the army. And in this way he would fight against them. So Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah Ali understood and realized that if he is going to go to Sephoria to fight against the crusaders, chances are he will not be able to win this battle. Because of the superior position, and more importantly because it was mid-summer. And his army will need some supply of water, water source they will need. Now in mid-summer, those of us who have been to the you know, Arabian lands, 40, 45 degrees, up to 50 degrees heat, how are you going to fight? You'll need water. So Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, he used the tactic, he didn't go to Sephoria. Few kilometers away from Sephoria was a place, is a place Tiberius, on the banks of the lake Buhaira Tabriya. Tiberius, one of the crusader castles were, was there, it was their town. He decided to go and attack Tiberius. Tiberius at that, at that time had a very small army because most of the knights and the soldiers had gone to join the, the huge crusader army in Sephoria. So Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah went to Tiberius. His whole plan and ploy was when he attacks Tiberius, one of, one of the kings, the king of Tiberius, his wife was in a castle. So he understood that what will happen is when he attacks this place, then this army that is based in Sephoria, the crusader army, will come to Tiberius to try and defend the city. And this is exactly what he wanted them. He wanted them to move away from their position and move in the direction of Tiberius, of Tiberius, because once they move, he will change his direction, and he will stop them halfway, because the terrain between Tiberius and Sephoria was very rugged, was very difficult ter- terrain, and there wasn't much water that was available. So Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi goes to Tiberius, and he begins attacking Tiberius. His ploy worked, there was great dissension. In fact, historians write, because Reynald of Shation was not trusted anymore by the king of Jerusalem. Reynald of Shation insisted on the king of Jerusalem, whose name was King Guy at that time. He insisted that don't leave Sephoria. Don't go from here. Because if you're going to leave Sephoria, you're not going to win this battle. But King Guy did not trust this Reynald. He felt that he is giving this uh, suggestion because of some other ulterior motive he has. So he did not take his advice and he commanded the army and the army moves from Sephoria and starts making their way to Tiberius. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah Ali was overjoyed. He changed the direction of his army and he moved in the direction of the crusader army until they met at a place, the famous place of Hittin. Hittin is an area between the two. And this area was such, as I said, very rugged, very mount- mountainous. And the crusader army, in their march from Sephoria to Hittin, there was no water. By the time they had reached Hittin, they were already thirsty. 
they were already tired, they were already fatigued. And Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi had already prepared for this because he had commanded his army to fill their leather bags with a lot of water from the Lake Tiberias, Buhayra Tabriya. So they had abundant water and they had people coming and going from Tiberias bringing water for the army. So they were in a good position. But the army of the crusaders was already tired. They were already fatigued. They were already thirsty. And in this condition, they met in battle on the plains of Hittin. And in a very, very short while, in that one day, just one day of battle, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi's army was able to defeat the crusader army at Hittin. They began to flee, they began to run. One very interesting incident, Qadi Bahauddin rahmatullahi says, I know time has run out, but inshallah, maybe 10 minutes more, I'll, I'll conclude. Qadi Bahauddin rahmatullahi says, that when we were standing in Hittin, and the, the Christian armies were before us, I said to, to Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi, because Salahuddin had great love for Quran, and great love for Hadith. It is said that when he was at home, then every night he would command someone, one of his servants to recite the Quran. Three, four, five Jews of the Quran he would listen to, and the, 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 the servants say that he would weep, he would weep as the Quran Sharif was recited. And when he would be out in jihad, then at night before retiring to bed, someone had to come and recite the Quran. And he would weep and cry. He would wake up in the early parts of the morning, he would weep and cry. Like that he had great respect for hadith. He would call a muhaddithin to his court to go and to come and narrate hadith. And if he heard that there is some, any great muhaddith, any great scholar, anyway, he would specially go himself and he would go and hear hadith. So Qadi Bahauddin said to Salahuddin, on the, on the front lines of Hittin, whilst they are about to engage in battle, he said to Salahuddin, that, O oh Amir, O oh Sultan, in every point in your life, wherever you were, whatever your condition was, you always made a point of, of reciting some hadith, making some ta'aleem. How nice it would be that on this occasion also we learn some hadith. Salahuddin said, what an excellent idea. He told Qadi sahab, bring the kitab. And right there, whilst on his horse, on the front lines, a few hadith were, were said, were narrated of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And even on this occasion, he did not leave out the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. With takbir on their lips, they began their fight. The crusaders began to flee. Almost the entire army, almost the entire army were either killed or either taken as prisoners. Almost the entire army. And interestingly enough, the king of Jerusalem, King Guy, he had brought with him the most, what they would regard as the most holiest relic of Christianity, what they referred to as the true cross. The true cross was a piece of wood in the shape of a cross, which they believed According to them, that that was the exact same piece of wood upon which Isa was crucified. So they had brought that along with them to Hittin to fight against Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi. When the crusaders were defeated, King Guy, King Renald of Chatillon, and a few other kings with 150 well-trained knights took that true cross and they fled to a hill. And they took refuge on the hill. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi's army was overjoyed. His son says, I was next to my father and I was rejoicing and saying that we have won the battle. He said, my father looked at me and with grief and with tears in his eyes, he said, no, not yet. And he pointed to that hill where the true cross was 
and where that 150 nights were, he said, till they are not defeated, we have not won this battle. Until eventually the Muslim army went and they managed to capture, they fought whoever was killed was killed, but they managed to capture the king of Jerusalem, King Guy, and Rinald of Shation alive, and they were brought to Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, the battle was over. He commanded that the tent be erected on a battlefield. And he sat on the tent, sat in his tent, and then he instructed for the king of Jerusalem and Rinald of Shation to be brought before him. They entered surrendering in humility, with the head bowed down. When Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi saw the thirst in the mouth of the king guy of Jerusalem. He instructed his servants to bring a glass of cold ice water. And when the glass was brought, he presented it to the king of Jerusalem. He gave him the water to drink. So the king of Jerusalem began to drink the water. And when there was a little left, he turned to pass that glass to that goblet to Rinald of Shation. When he did this, Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi spoke very sternly and said, that I, had, I gave you the water to drink, he does not deserve to get any water. Because it was the way amongst the sultans, that when they, when they defeated the enemy, if they showed some kindness, if they gave some water or something to the enemy, this was an indication that they will not take the life of that person. So if that water had passed into the hands of Rinal of Shation, then it meant that Salahuddin al-Ayubi cannot do him any harm. Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi then stood up and he addressed this person. Rinald of Shation. He gave him first dawah to accept Islam. When he refused to accept Islam, he said to him that I had taken an oath, I had taken a qasam, that I will personally kill you. Because of two things. One was you used to plunder the hujjaj that used to go for hajj. And second is you had intended to go and destroy Mecca, Mukarramah and Medina, Munawara. And saying this, he unsheathed his sword. And there and there, he kills Rinald of Shation. When the king guy of Jerusalem sees this, he became afraid. Salahuddin al-Ayubi said to him, it is not the way of kings that they kill kings. But this man had done too much of wrong, so this is why I killed him. Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi then prepared a royal escort to take king guy to Damascus and he was sent away to Damascus. Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi now moved on with his mission most of the crusader army was defeated. So the cities all around Jerusalem, they had very little defense. So Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi did not march onto Baytul Muqaddas. He first took over all these other cities for the simple reason is he did not want any reinforcements to reach these cities from the sea. Because via the sea it was very easy for the crusaders, for the Christians to send their reinforcements from Italy and from France, etc. So he first took over all these cities and then he marched towards Jerusalem. The people of, of Jerusalem, they were waiting, they were anticipating this. They had made great preparations. They say 60,000 soldiers. And they had all the fortifications and all the weaponry waiting for Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi. Such was their preparedness that they even attacked Salahuddin before he attacked them. But Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi, very, very quickly and briefly, he managed to breach the walls of Jerusalem of Baytul Muqaddas. He managed to breach the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And now he wanted to go and take Baytul Muqaddas itself, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa itself. At this point, when the Christians realized that now they are losing this battle, they sent a word to Salahuddin al-Ayubi requesting him 
for peace and that they will peacefully surrender Baytul Muqaddas and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa to Salahuddin Rahmatullahi Alayhi. Salahuddin refused. He said that I vowed that I will take Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and Jerusalem, I will take it by the sword. So I am going to fight till I take this. So he refused. So then they sent word again to him that if he does not accept the surrender from their side, then they, the Christians themselves, will kill all their own women and their own children. And they will kill all the 5,000 Muslim prisoners that they have in their control. And they will destroy the entire city, and they will destroy Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, and they will burn everything to the ground if he does not accept their surrender. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi made mashura with his ministers. The ulama told him that his vow has been fulfilled because he has already taken Baytul Muqaddas by the sword. So on their advice, and to save the life of the Muslimin, and to save the life of so many innocent people, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi accepted this surrender from the crusaders, from the Christians, and he gave them permission. He said, that the, those, who, those who lived and belonged to the land of Baytul Muqaddas, they can remain. But the Crusaders, the French and the Italians and those who had come from abroad, they are allowed to go back. Wherever they had come from, wherever they want to go, they can go back. But each male, each man must pay 10 dinars. Each woman must pay 5 dinars. And each child must pay 1 dinar. So on these terms they agreed and the city of Baytul Muqaddas was handed over to Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi on the 27th of Rajab. On the 27th of Rajab in the year 583 Hijri. Approximately 90 years after Crusader Christian rule. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi entered the city, entered Baytul Muqaddas with great amount of humility, with tears flowing from his eyes. And he spent that one week that one week from Friday to the next Friday, then amazingly enough, according to some ulama, 27th Rajab was the same night that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa went for Mi'raj. So 27th of Rajab was the same day that that city was handed over to Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi alayhi. He spent that one week cleaning up the city, restoring everything. He removed the cross that had been planted on the Al-Qubbatul Sakhra, on the golden, on the dome of the rock, he removed the cross. The mihrab of the masjid, al-masjid al-Aqsa, part of the mihrab had been converted into toilets by the crusaders. He demolished that, he cleaned the area, and he restored it to what it was. He, there was a church built on the, on the rock itself, he demolished the church with his own hands, he cleaned that rock, etc., he restored all the Islamic architecture that had been wiped out by the crusaders. He brought carpets into Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. He got the, the mimbar that was prepared by Nuruddin Zanki rahmatullahi Ali, And that mimbar was brought from Halab and Aleppo. And the entire Muslim world, ulama, people, sulaha, from far and wide, hearing that now Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, after 90 long years, has once again come into the rule of the Muslimin. They all throng to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa to attend the first Jumu'ah that was going to take place the week after on the 4th of Shawwal. And they had all come and attended. It was an amazing gathering. Qadi Muhyiddin Zaki Rahmatullahi was appointed by Salahuddin to give the khutbah. And amongst the things, and amongst the, amongst the things that he mentioned in the khutbah 
Why is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has restored this land back to us. And now for us to keep this land in our hands, we have to adopt taqwa. We have to once again adopt the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot become arrogant and we have to be kind towards the subject that live under our control. It is said that Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi showed so much of kindness to the people of the Christians of, of, of Baytul Muqaddas. He took no revenge from them. As we said, he had passed the word that 10 dirhams, 10 dinars and they are allowed to go. So the, his brother, Salahuddin's brother, Rahmatullah Ali, requested Salahuddin that give me 1,000 of these prisoners. I want to free them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without taking any money from him. Salahuddin agreed. 1,000 of these prisoners were freed without any ransom. When the patriarch, look at this, when the patriarch, the head priest of, of Baytul Muqaddas, who was an Orthodox Christian, not a Catholic Christian, when he saw this, he picked up the courage and he went to Salahuddin al-Ayyubi. And he requested for the same. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi gave him 700 prisoners that you go and you free them. He freed 700 prisoners. Then after Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi said, that my brother has shown his kindness. The patriarch has shown his kindness. Now it is my turn to show my kindness. He made an announcement that all the elderly, all the old people, they are allowed to go without paying their ransom. All those who can't afford to pay, they are allowed to go. All the women, they are allowed to go without paying. And in this way, the, the crusaders who had come, they were allowed to leave Baytul Muqaddas. And Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi, once again regained control of Al-Masjid al-Aqsa. It is said it was such a day in history that the entire streets of Al-Masjid al-Aqsa were filled with tears. Even the Christian historians write, that when they contrast this to the day when the crusaders had entered Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and Jerusalem, Baytul Muqaddas, how 70,000 innocent Muslims were killed, cold-bloodedly. Compare this with the kindness of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah Ali. He did not take the life of not one person cold-bloodedly. They were allowed to go if they could, and if they weren't allowed to, if they couldn't afford the ransom, then Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullah Ali pardoned them and allowed them to move on. Time has run out, but very briefly thereafter, when this news, news reached Europe, the king of Europe then called for the third crusade against Salahuddin. Because now they had lost the holy land. So, in fact, at that time they say that in Europe, they had the, the European kings had commenced a tax, had imposed a tax that was the highest tax that had ever been imposed upon the people of Europe. And the name of the tax was the Salahuddin tithe, the Salahuddin tax, where every person had to give 10% of his earnings to, towards this crusade against Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. And kings from far and wide came and sent their armies to try and take once again Baytul Muqaddas from Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi alayhi. Three years or four years passing like this, fighting against them. On one occasion, this is something really that has to be mentioned, on one occasion, one of the armies had come very close to Baytul Muqaddas, approximately 12 kilometers uh, to, close to Baytul Muqaddas. And Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi was very, very concerned. And now he needed to go out. Qadi Bahauddin rahmatullahi says, it was a Thursday night. And I saw Salahuddin after Isha, when he came to his quarters, he began engaging in ibadat, in dua, in dhikr. Seeing him in this condition, I joined him. He says, one hour, two hour, three hours, the entire night began to pass. It was winter. 
But Salahuddin continued unabated, crying and sobbing and making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, I felt sorry for him. Because he said, many occasions like this, two, three nights would pass without him sleeping, without him eating. So I said to him, that Sultan, why don't you take a rest now? So he turned to me and he said, it looks like you are tired, you, have, you feel that you have to be with me, you can't manage, so you go and sleep. And he continued making dua, he continued in this manner. Until the adhan of Fajr. After Fajr Salah was over, he says, I could see the concern in his face. So I said to him, that oh Sultan, Allah has placed something in my mind. I said, let me share this with you, that today is a day of Friday. Have a ghusl. And before Juma, go early for Juma. Then give some sadaqah secretly in such a way nobody knows you gave sadaqah. Then go to the, go to that, that spot where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took Rasulullah sallallahu from Mi'raj by the rock. Go and perform a Juma salah there. And when the, when it is, when the khatib is giving his khutbah, so between the adhan of Jumu'ah and between the khutbah of, or, the, or the iqamat of Jumu'ah, at that time you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Between the adhan and between the iqamah, between the khutbah of Jumu'ah, you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have hope that, the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept your dua. He says, I was next to Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, and I saw him after the adhan of khutbah with his head on the musalla, and that musalla was wet with his tears. He says, I don't know, I didn't know at that time what dua he made. Later on I learned, he made dua to Allah. He said, oh Allah, I have exhausted every human energy to save deen of Islam from your enemies. Oh Allah, the only thing I have now is you. And you only, you only help me against these people. He says, he made this dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the weather to change. It began hailing, it became, the, it began pouring and raining, became windy. The, the crusader army abandoned the idea and they left until eventually they were forced to make a treaty, a peace treaty with Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi. The only city they managed to take back from Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi was the city Aika, Akka. This was, came back under their control, but the rest of it was still under the control of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi. And that brought the end to the third crusade. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi, after spending approximately four years in Baytul Muqaddas, he then made his way back to Damascus. And it was two years thereafter that Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi, on the 27th of Safar, 589 Hijri, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi breathed his last. Qadi Bahauddin rahmatullahi says that because of his love for Quran, his son had requested an alim to remain at his bedside to recite the Qur'an. So whilst he was in that sick condition, the Qur'an Sharif would be recited next to him. It is mentioned that in that sickness as well, Salahuddin rahmatullahi, Allah give me also the tawfiq, but inspiration for everyone. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi, throughout his life, was very, very conscious of performing his salah with jama'ah. That even in that sickness, when he couldn't move, he couldn't make it to the masjid, he was sitting and performing salah, he instructed that some ulama should come and perform salah, so at least he can perform his salah with jama'ah. So even in this condition, he performed his salah with jama'ah. Until when the final day came of his life, that alim was busy reciting the Qur'an, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi was in a semi-conscious state, when he reached the verse of 11 juz, فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّاهُ عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْتُ وَهُ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمُ Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahmatullahi smiled. 
And with a beautiful smile on his face, he breathed his last, and he passed into the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rahimahullah, rahmatan wasi'ah. This was the 27th of, of Safar in the year 589 Hijri. Someone had seen in the dream that it is being said to him that today Yusuf has escaped from prison. Meaning Yusuf Salahuddin, Alayubi Rahmatullahi, has escaped from the prison of this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him on our behalf, the best of rewards. And all those giants and sons of Islam who sacrifice so much for the sake of Islam, you know, during the Isha Salah, when the Imam was performing Salah, he recited the verses of the Quran, Minal Mu'minina Rijalun Sadaqu Ma'ahadullah Ali. They were those believers who were true in their pledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they said, La ilaha illallah, then they were true and they lived their lives like that. So the thought flashed my mind that tonight we're speaking about Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi and his sacrifices and what a great person he was and how much of kindness and compassion he so showed and how much of justice he, he ruled with. The thought flashed my mind when this is Salahuddin al-Ayubi. Imagine what must have been Muhammad Mushtaba, Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imagine what must have been the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. What must have been Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhum. So as I mentioned in the beginning, the purpose of this talk, of this of the topic tonight was one is to gain inspiration from Salahuddin al-Ayubi rahmatullahi to take those important lessons of kindness, of compassion, of love for Quran, love for Hadith, conducting ta'aleem, to being punctual on our salah, having fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and most importantly, not losing hope in times of challenges. Every person has their challenges. We have our challenges as a ummah, as a community, as a masjid, as a family. We all have our occasions, I'll put it in my own words, we all will have our hitteen moments. That moment when we have to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that sacrifice and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open the way. So let us not become and fall prey to despondency because then the, we will only be falling into the trap of the enemies of Islam. We will only be assisting the enemies of Islam and shaitan. Whatever our broken condition may be, let us do something for the sake of Islam. Let us do something for ourselves. Let us do at least this much we bring Islam into our lives. We are proud to be Muslims. We understand where we belong to. And we make our children understand as well, history is important. So we understand who are these people and what were their objectives and what they had done and what were the atrocities. Not that we hate them, no. But this much we have in our minds that when it comes to me making a decision in my life, Whose way should I follow? Should I follow the way of those people that did all these wrongs? Yes, we have that compassion that Salahuddin had. We have that concern that he had. We want them to come into Islam. We will try and make an effort. But the point is, let us be proud of our identity. Let us love our Islam. Let us love our Nabi wasallam. Let us love our culture and way. And let us do our little bit for the sake of Islam, following the guidance of our elders, our seniors, and the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us. Ameen wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu wa natubu ilayk. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين 
اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى اللهم اللهم اجزي عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأصحابه وأتباعه بما هم أهله آمين آمين يا رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا ونبينا مولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمة الرحمن